Good morning. How is everybody? Sorry, I just want to, I want to record what I'm going to say just because I'm not sure what I'm going to say. Good morning. So I want to, I was going to give you guys just a little snapshot of my family. Yeah, just in case I don't die first, keep it close. Um, yeah, a little snapshot of my family and kind of who we are and a little bit of our journey here. Because um, we've been here for about 12 years and then kind of how God took us from the house and the construction thing and the labor and delivery nurse to the nations. Because it's, it's, a, it's a big transition and hopefully you guys will hear my heart. Uh, yes, yeah, so let's just get rolling and I'll tell you more later. So this, so this is us, 17 years ago, you know, try to put our best foot forward, you know, 17, 17 years ago. Yeah, we've been in love and it's been, this is going to be challenging to stand in the same spot all day. Um, so yeah, that's us, 17 years ago. We now have a little daughter who's 11. She's not here. She's in a Christmas play um, over at First Baptist. So there's her. This was actually her in a play. She just finished a play. She was like the main star of a turtle production, I think is what it was called. Super cute. Another picture of us in Hawaii. We were at a wedding. Uh, yeah, so we've spent the last two years in Hawaii, which is awesome. My wife is beautiful. Um, if I say anything good today, again, I'm not taking glory from God, but a lot of the glory goes to my wife. She's put up with me for 17 years. I am the man that I am today to be able to stand here and communicate, hopefully effectively, because of her putting up with me. So if anything's good, tell her that she did a good job, okay? Um, so what, one of the things that we do, again, this is kind of a, a big overview, is we like to use one of our, one of our areas of focus that was kind of here and now is going to be in the nations is we like to use fitness as an avenue to share Jesus with people. And so this is a picture of me and a friend of mine in Nepal in the gym called Ghana Fitness Muay Thai where we are building connections there with people to share the gospel. And so we realize that fitness is an avenue because like on a sports team you connect with people in an authentic way that you don't kind of anywhere else. And so CrossFit or functional fitness is kind of the same. So this was a really good opportunity in Nepal, um, and part of our ministry too, in, in kindred spirit, is we also trek Bibles in the Himalayas. So I'm surprised we didn't, I think we were there so close in the same time, but I think we just missed each other, so it was kind of epic. Um, one of the things we've done in the past, just kind of, again, a snapshot of us, um, didn't expect to build things in Hawaii, but this is, the, we're part of a ministry called Respect the Corners, and my family and I got to build this gym, which kind of, most of that from the from the lights on with the canvas tarp and the pull-up and all the concrete. We did all that uh, the summer of 18. Um, so God definitely invited us to, to use our talents and our man- you know, to use our talents to, to bless people that we didn't think that we were going to do that. Um, in, the t- in the time that we were in Nepal, we also built this. Um, we actually laid down the idea of trekking to, that we felt like God invited us to do this. So this is still there, and we were there in the end of 17 to 18. Um, so it's super fun to see the things that God has designed us or me to do and us to do to, to bless people, to see missions go forth. And so they're still working um, in Nepal trying to, trying to get their gym off the ground. Um, we love to pray as a ministry. So here's a picture of us just using fitness as an avenue to pray for people, to contend for people, to see people come to know Jesus. So this is a lot of the kind of RTC, Respect the Corners family that we're a part of there, just praying and contending. In your guys' own backyard, Redmond, Oregon, um, I don't know if you've seen CrossFit Magnify. I don't know if anybody knows what CrossFit is, functional fitness movement. But Cody Anderson is a professional, professional CrossFit athlete who uses business as missions. So this is Redmond's. So he's doing the same thing. He's using his platform, his influence. I mean, he's, I think last year, he was like, not last year, two years ago, he was like top 10 fittest guys in the world. And so he's using his platform to share the gospel with people and to connect with people. And he does mission trips. Um, he was in Nicaragua, I think, a couple months ago, sharing the gospel. Um, one of the things we're doing here, this is the gym here in town up on the hill, um, CrossFit Prineville. So this is another avenue for us where we've been there for years, what, 10 years now we've been going there. Um, this is the new owner. Um, I guess just pictures of our life of we're trying to use that as a platform to share the gospel. So shared with Mike, who's close, but love those people. Um, it's just been super fun. Um, this is a wild shot, just to kind of get an idea of what fitness can look like. This is Hawaii. It's really hot there, so everybody takes their shirt off. But there's three Christians in that group, and the rest don't believe in Jesus. And so we work out together, and then people like to talk. And so this is just kind of meant to portray that 
as we work out with people and build connection, that, it, that doing fitness together builds this organic connection that I can't get anywhere else. You know, if I invite you out to coffee, the odds are you're going to share a few things with me. But in a, in a setting like that, it's like you work out. This happened, I was just in Montana this last week. Um, had a conversation with a guy. We worked out. Didn't really connect at all. And then at the end of the workout, he's sharing me his life story. He's got a brother that's an atheist. He's like, man, I wish you could meet him. Like, we just have this intense interaction, connection, because we worked out together. And it's kind of like we went to battle together. Like, for, for men that like to, to push themselves hard or work really hard, which this community loves to work hard because we're farmers, we're tradespeople, that it's kind of that same connection. It's like if we were going to war together. So it's super fun. But for the most part, actually, I want to do this one. Um, and then this is just a picture of us being commissioned uh, a couple weeks ago. There's like 300 people standing over our team of 30. Um, we got commissioned to go to South Africa, which is where we're going, which I'll get into that in a little bit, um, which leads me to my last slide. Thank you for that. I got all the way through, which is awesome, which is awesome. Let's see. That's not what I wanted. Let me find my notes, and then we'll get rolling. So my hope today is to share with you about 15 minutes um, kind of about me and my story in life through Prineville and how God really just gripped our hearts for the nations and just changed us from who we were to who we are and just called us deeper, called us farther. And then kind of spend 20 minutes kind of in the Word. So we're going we're gonna to roll kind of through Judges a little bit, at least through the, kind of the life of Samson. And then we're going to read three chapters of Ephesians. So we're going to get some Word today, a lot of Word, and it's going to be really good. Um, and we'll kind of see why at the end. But one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to help cut the learning curve of listening to somebody that you've never met. And so to, to learn about me a little bit, um, my goal today, I am challenged in the fact that you have to listen to things that have happened in my life. Because I don't want any of the focus or the glory, the attention, but I realize that, that that's all I have, is what God has done in me. And so my hope is that as you hear about my life, that it is a bridge to look at Jesus. You would go, man, I'm inspired because Scott and Megan were obedient, but God did things in their life. So the focus, again, even though it's our journey, is that you would look, where's, where's the cross at? Anyways, look. This is that you would look to the cross. As you look to Jesus and go, Jesus, what does that mean for me? Does that make sense? So even though a lot of the story is about me, I don't like it being about me, but it is. And so as we look at the life of Paul, he constantly starts his letters like apostle chosen by God, like I'm this, and you hear him through it, but you're constantly drawn to Jesus. He constantly draws you to Jesus. So that's, that is my heart. Does that make sense? Is that, is that cool? That's my heart. Um, yeah. Is that we'd fall more in love with Jesus in the scriptures. Okay, so this morning, what I, what I hope that, my, that our story communicates and that we're going to get into the word that's going to really flush it out for us is that God is the main character of our story. And it's funny because you prayed this this morning. It's, it's divine. That God is the main character of the story and we are not. And so I think for a lot of my life, this is like a side, side story, like a lot of my life, I think I've put a lot of focus on myself and God, what are you calling me to do? What am I doing? What am I doing? And in this last season, it's become abundantly clear, whether through the word or through my own life or interactions with ideas of going to the nations or what God is doing around the world, that he is the main character, that we are a part and you are a part of God's story. And so the invitation this morning in, in now and even later is like, what is how do I come into God's story and what he's doing? That it's a lot less me focused and a lot less him focused. Does that make sense? And that's kind of why we're going to hit Judges. It's going to be a fun journey into Judges. Um, so our story, so we've been married 17 years. Again, I love my wife. She gets all the credit for the man that I am. Um, been a Christian almost 20 years. Kind of got saved in high school. Um, probably prayed the prayer 100 times or so. And so it's, I'm not sure when the date was. But I love, but I love God. And I've been been a disciplined person most of my life, so I read the word uh, every day and fall in love with Jesus, um, which that will come into play here in a little bit. Um, but we moved to Prineville in 2006, been here 13 years or so, love this town, used to live in Portland, so we love this town, the contrast is amazing, it's like people are nice here. When I moved here, it's like, I'm like, people, I'd go to the store and people would say hi. Like, it's, it's amazing. It's like things we take for granted, like, it's amazing, because that doesn't happen anywhere else. I was just in Montana this last week, and they, they weren't as nice as you guys. So you guys really crush it in being nice and hospitable, and I love it. I love this place. Um, so yeah, we've been here since 2006. We've been over at First Baptist 
most of that time, God just has really invited us to dig deep roots there. So we've been there for a long time, it feels like now. Um, in our journey here, we've, we've had a wild journey in this town. Um, so I've done construction most of my life. We worked up, at, worked up at Facebook when they first came out of the ground in like 2010. Um, they did like buildings one, two, and three, worked at Apple. Anyways, most of my life rings and breeds construction, kind of like the, sli- the slides. I just can't help but build things because I like it, um, which is good. So then, yeah, so then, like you said, four years ago, actually six years ago, um, God invited us to start Scott Graham Construction, which was a wild journey because, you know, I had a friend, I, he had a friend that asked me, it's like, what was your business strategy? What did you do? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. I didn't do anything. Like, I felt like God opened this door for me because I was out of work, and God opened this door, and people started calling me and said, hey, will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? Will you paint my house? I'm like, sure. So I loaded up my Subaru Outback and put some lumber on the top and my chops on the back and went to work. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. It's funny. It's really funny. It's like, it's silly to, to think that I was doing construction then, but I felt like in those four years that I just chased, chased God and what he was doing because I was so hard-pressed, like, God, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? I want to share the gospel. I want to, you know, follow you and walk in obedience with you and all these things. And God's like, oh, I'm going to take you over here. And so I think I felt like for me, it's that I was willing in the moment to do anything. And I didn't, I'd never thought, even to this day, I'm so baffled. I never thought that I would own a business. You know, I was never that ambitious, I guess I would say. But yet it was, it was the best thing for me because I learned so much about myself. And I was in the homes and the lives of people that I never would have been to share the gospel and even just play Christian radio and pray for people and encourage people. And, and so we did good. And so the, the fun part about that I followed God in it is that it grew. It probably grew like, I think it doubled every year for four years. And so when people ask me, like, I didn't do anything. I can't claim any of that success because I'm like, I just responded to what God was doing, which was super fun because I'm like, man, God, what are you, this is amazing. You know, and so in, so in turn, it's like when, when we, so after four years, yeah, I'm going to go back. So I realized about myself that I like to work. And so I think some of you in here can relate to that. It's like, I love to work. But what I learned about myself is that I love to work so much and to give myself to something as a man that I can, I can focus solely on one thing and go really hard and forget the other things in my life. And so looking back in that season, I realized that, man, I gave myself to the business and forgot about my family. You know, it's like I would come home, I'd work 10, 12 hours a day, come home, do dinner, work on bids, work on the things, like all you guys understand, especially like farm life, it's like you're constantly busy, constantly working, constantly going. And my, my regrets, but the thing that I learned the most about myself is like I can be singular focused and be totally in on something. But what it, but what it had done is it had driven me so hard that I'm like, man, what, like God, what has happened? I like have taken your blessing in this thing and I look around and like my family's struggling, I'm struggling in relationship with my family, we have this big house, this nice cars, like all those have stories, but it's not worth getting into. Um, and I look around like, God, is this it? Is this it for my walk with you, for my life, for the business that we've accumulated these things? Um, yeah, so God just, in his generosity and his goodness, just kind of exposed us to like, God's like, no, son, there's more. There's more, but you have to get kind of to this, to this crux or this fork in the road where you realize that there is more, that the house and the stuff and the things and the vacations are not, they're not the thing. They're not the thing, the part of the story that, that he's really after. You know, and I look back and realize, like, was I, I'm going to ask you guys this question later, but was I on mission with God? Was I really clear about what God's mission was for me? And so then it kind of took us on this wild journey of what is God's mission? You know, and it's a popular saying, you know, that God's mission is to reach the lost. You know, that God is to disciple all nations, to baptize them, to, you know, the whole thing, Matthew 28. But we realized, like, I think, I think we followed God, but I think we missed it. I think we got so, I got so in the trench. I was like, God, we're following you, but I think, I think the, I think God was whispering to me over here somewhere. So we did, so we got a hold of us. And in that season, we also, we also invited my sister to come live with us, which is why we bought the house, because my sister was dying, and we invited her to live with us, which was a really hard three years of just giving and loving and serving. And at the end of the three years, we just found ourselves really broken, really, really hurting, really kind of damaged at some point. And then so that really coupling that with, God, what are we doing, really drove us to just seek the Lord and go, God, what is, 
what is on your heart, what is on your heart for us, we're just desperate for you. And it had been a long time that I would, that I would look at my life and go, man, I'm desperate for Jesus because I want more because I believe there is more. As I read the Bible, it's like, and part of where we're going today is that God is the author of this, God is the point of the story and he's got a story through time and I want to be a part of it. Does that make sense? So that's kind of the, the, the invitation that is ex- going to be extended to you guys a few times today is like, what is, what is God's story and where do we fit into it? Does that make sense? And so we found ourselves just broken, and then we were like, so we just cried to God, like, God, we want to be missional, we want to be revived, we want to fall in love with you again. Um, what do you want to do with us? So just kind of this cry on our knees of desperation. And so we, we heard God communicate with us and lead us. We were in Cambodia for a week on a mission trip and encountered God in a way that we never had before, which changed our life, which completely changed the direction. So it's like in kind, it's like in kind to Paul when he on the road to Damascus, sees this bright light. I'm not saying I'm liking kind of Paul, so don't hear what I'm not saying. That, that we, Paul had this encounter and his life was forever changed, right? Had an encounter with God and things changed dramatically. And so for us, we went to Cambodia, had an encounter with God, and things changed drastically. And we, we were broken. We, had, we fell in love with Jesus again. We got God's heart for the nations. Um, yeah, so we came back. We had a week there of just sharing the gospel and loving kids and picking lice out of kids' hairs and, and doing skits and dramas, which can be challenging in little, in little towns. But it was awesome. It was awesome to see God move and see Cambodians give their life to Jesus, and it cost them everything. You know, so unlike, unlike here, even in my life, like, Jesus doesn't cost me anything to live. I can go down the street, I can tell people about Jesus, I'm like, oh, that's cool, or I can go to church, I can put a cross on my, on my truck, you know, and there's no persecution here. For me, and to go there, and it costs them, their family, their jobs, their friends. Like they are, they're immediately an outcast. And so I come home from that like life-changing experience, and I go to youth group again, and I go to Young Life, and I go to church, and I'm like, this doesn't cost me a darn thing. And yet I can't get can't get high schoolers into the into the into the youth group. I can't get high I can't chase high schoolers into Young Life. My like, God, what is the disparity? I just found myself broken for the mission of God broken for the gospel, broken like, man, how do we reach the lost? Because they're like, they're desperate for it because their contrast of light and darkness is so drastic. It's crazy. And so they're like, man, you bring in light, you bring in hope, a future, bring in Jesus. Yes, I want that. You know, Megan shared the gospel with the lady in Nepal and she didn't even get to finish the road, her testimony or anything. She got halfway through it and the lady's like, I want what you have. Can I have it? And she lived in a four by eight shack with her, with her son selling tea alongside the road. Like poverty, we don't know. Poverty, it can't get out of my mind. And so we had this crazy encounter with Jesus. And I would say that we're all, sadly, not sadly, but we were so desperate that we needed an encounter with God. And I'd say most of us probably don't need that. Most of you guys are probably right there with Jesus and just need an invitation. But we were so, I felt like we were so desperate and broken that we'd missed it. And so for us, Jesus had to take us out of the country. And that story kind of continues that right after that we came back and we felt like God called us to go to Hawaii, which most would be like, yeah, let's go to Hawaii. That'd be awesome, especially right now when it's cold. But Hawaii for us was more training, more training how to do missions, more training how to use the things that we love to do for the gospel. So for us, it's, you know, I've been doing CrossFit. We've been doing CrossFit for 10 years. And so we love to use the avenue of fitness or sport or soccer coaching to share Jesus with the lost or construction or farming or whatever you, the idea is whatever you do to do it is under the Lord, but it gives, it gave us more context of like, now how do you do that? Yeah, that sounds awesome, but now how do you do that? How do you share the gospel? How do you build a relationship? How do you pray for people in a context where prayer doesn't usually happen? How do you pray for somebody in the gym? And so we went there for two years and the wildness was for us, it was more like the medic. If I can use like the medical term, it's like we didn't, we didn't go to going, we're going to go take the nations for God and get trained. It wasn't like that. We were broken. We were like desperate for Jesus. And so Jesus was inviting us to get restored. And so we needed like radical intervention, you might say. So it was three months of falling in love with God again, being reminded of who God is and how much he loves us and his invitation into his story. Because really that he would invite us into his story is kind of ridiculous. If we think about it, if we're honest with ourselves that God, that you would use me in your story? Like I'm just this lump of clay 
And then you go, man, I want that lump of clay. I want that lump of clay. And I want to empower them. I want to indwell them and empower them and send them off into the nations, whether the nation is here or South Africa. Which is, so it's just crazy. So God just gripped our hearts that he would call us, that he would save us from the brokenness of our sins because we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but then he would just call us sons and daughters. It's just, it just blew our minds. So we fell in love with God and then we got to take those things into the nations. And so we went to Nepal the end of 2017 for three months and we lived there and we shared the gospel and we prayed for people and we did fitness. Um, the team trekked bios in Himalayas for two weeks and puked their guts out and got sick and shared the gospel and prayed for people and it was awesome. It's kind of the whole, it's kind of the whole deal. The sickness is just like gives me grid to understand Paul a little better. To realize like, man, this sickness is unto the gospel. It's not just, oh, I'm home and I'm drinking my, my you know, chicken noodle soup. It's like, it's hard to live there. Squatty potties and the whole thing. It's challenging. But it, but it gave me a grid. It gave us a grid. And I'm sure you guys have heard this story. Like, it gives us a grid for like, what does it look like to suffer for Jesus? And it wasn't even intense persecution. It was just suffering. It was just hard. It's like, can I see Jesus in this hard moment? Can I be excited to be here when my whole family is sick? You know, and we're puking, and you're looking at, you're seeing it in your kids, which is always, as a parent, the hardest. To see your kids throw up and just, oh, why did you bring me here? And so it was really good. So we fell in love with God in the nations. And so for some degree, I love, I love the kindred heart of this church, of that you're sending people to the nations, that going into Paul again and again and again, because that's God's heart. That's God's mission. I mean, we are God's, like, there's mission here, don't get me wrong, but to reach the world, too, because God's heart is the world, is the lost, is his bride. Um, so I love that connection. So yeah, the, we, God called us to stay in Nepal and not trek, which was challenging because the trekking is kind of the glory. It's kind of the glorious part of, kind of the reason you go to the Himalayas is you go, I'm going to the farthest and darkest people they never heard. God called us to build some things and to love some people. And so it's that same invitation you guys, like what, is, what does obedience look like? Because I'll say this as, as, as a missionary, as soon to be a missionary, I guess I kind of am, it's not everybody's called to go to South Africa. So you can, you can all breathe easy. I'm not going to invite you to come to South Africa unless you want to, unless God puts that on your life. But we're called to be missional. So most of you are probably called to stay here, which is awesome, and work this mission field. We're just called, like our obedience is that same word. Our obedience is to go to South Africa. Because really our invitation from Jesus is to thrive with him, is to fall in love with him, and for that to just go forth into where he's planted us. And so you guys, you guys have been planted in Prineville Yes and amen, praise God, I'm grateful you're here. And so what does it look like to thrive here? You know, and some of that's going to be partnering with us, partnering in God's larger story, and some of it's not. And that's okay either way. But we love you guys, we're excited about what God's doing here. So that's kind of, kind of us, at least. And so into that story, so we, at the end of our journey in, in Hawaii, basically, long search, like we got invited, there's a, a move of people going to South Africa. And so God kind of swooped us up in that same story, really gripped our hearts for South Africa and the team and the leaders, um, and we're going to use the avenue of fitness to share the gospel with people, and I'll kind of get into that here in a second. Um, so that's where we're going. So we're going to Pachastrum, South Africa, which is just south of Johannesburg, like by an hour and a half southwest, I guess we'd say. Um, and we never thought we'd go there either. So so much of this story is just... Like being willing and open to go, God, what do you want to do with my life? Like my life is yours. I'm just, this, I'm just this lump of clay, this box here, and I just want to give my life to you. And what does that look like? And I had no idea. You know, and so, it, so now it looks like going to South Africa, which is crazy. And I would have said the same thing about owning a business. You know, that kind of relates here. Like I never would have thought I owned a business, but I felt like that was the invitation that God had for me. That was just obedience. Even though it got me, you know, a nice truck and nice stuff, it's like that stuff doesn't matter. It was just following Jesus, which produced nice things at that point. Um, so yeah, so we're going to South Africa for a minimum of three years. There really is like no timeline, but that's like the minimum they asked for us because we're starting, we're starting a ministry called Fire and Fragrance, um, and there's five things that we want to do there, so kind of like the, our vision, you might say. We want to do prayer and worship, which ultimately is like in this church, we want to keep the first things first, is we want to keep falling in love with Jesus wherever we are. And so we're, we already have a prayer room that's already started there. So we're going to do prayer and worship probably every day. Um, just continuing to pursue Jesus and fall in love with Jesus. And we believe that that's the way that we're going to have any kind of effect in the nation or in the town that we're in, the city that we're in, is falling in love with God and getting his strategy, getting kind of his game plan for, 
for us. So number one is going to pray and worship. Number two is going to do evangelism, kind of classic missions. But our, our focus is, is, in, is in evangelism, we're going to do three things. We're going to do, you're going to use fitness as a platform. So we're hoping to believe in God to buy us a gym, a CrossFit gym. So there's one already there called CrossFit Rioni. So we're believing God to raise about 50,000 bucks. So we already have about 10, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, so we're trying to raise money for that to do evangelism that we believe it's going to be kind of our way to connect um, with the town in an organic, organic way. That it's not this outside ministry coming in and trying to do stuff. It's like we're connected. We're invested and we're in and we love you. And so we're, we're actually, because we're full-time missionaries, we're going to take all the funds of the gym and just sow it back into the community in like compassion ministry or, yeah, any, any way we can, we're going to give it away as much as we can. Um, the other two things... So we're doing Commission the City, which is just a big movement, a big evangelistic movement that's going to come, and we're going to just invite teams, and we're just going to blitz the whole town with a commission with evangelism. Let's see, the gym, Commission the City, there's the third one. Circuit Riders, thank you. See, she's helping me every time. So we're also doing Circuit Riders, and so like the Circuit Riders of old, we've got strategic circuits around the nation that we're going to continue to evangelize, do, and help, and minister, and facilitate what God is already doing. So because we're connected to YWAM, we're going to get teams every semester. They're going to come in, and they're there to evangelize, to reach the lost. And so we've got continuous circuits that we're going to do that we're going to send teams on to continue to minister and connect with local churches. A way that we would describe ourselves, which might be helpful, like, what does that look like? What are you doing? We would describe ourselves as like the mobile church. So we're not planting churches. We're not starting churches. We're not... A church like this. Like our, our idea and our passion is to come in and basically like, like a big fuel tanker truck. Just kind of come in and pour gasoline on your fire and see people come to know Jesus and do events and whatnot. Things that we like to do because we're higher energy and we're new. And, and then for us to leave and for you guys to reap like for the lost to come into this place and for you guys to do the discipleship and the training. And Does that make sense? So we're, 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 our goal is partnership with ministries and with churches and how can we encourage and facilitate what God is doing in you guys. And the next thing we do is discipleship training. And so we want to train people in evangelism and send them, which is a lot what, what uh, YWAM does. Next thing we want to do is we want to do media, which we want to basically recover the story of South Africa. Because it's, if you were to like Google South Africa, like it's a wild story. A lot of people are like, why are you going there? It's crazy. Like the persecution, the poverty, like it's a crazy place. And so part of our heart is to reclaim the story of what God is doing in South Africa. And last but not least, um, we're YWAM's largest, one of their largest pillars is that they want to end Bible poverty. And so we're con- going to continue to partner with them and end Bible poverty. So we're going to, I don't necessarily know what that looks like yet, but we're going to take Bibles into the nations. People that don't have Bibles, is we're going to get the Bibles. A lot like going to Nepal, is taking Bibles to people that have never heard of Jesus and don't have access to Bibles. So that's a lot of what we're doing. And so as like the, the end of the kind of the classic missionary plug, it's like we're trying to raise 40 grand for the church. Um, we as a family still need about two grand a month, $2,000 a month in financial support. So we're over halfway, which is awesome. We're like 50, 52% funded, praise God, because this is a wild journey. But even in saying that, our heart is partnership, is God's story. Is that I have a role to play in God's story, and you guys have a role to play in God's story. I'm not telling you what it is. But like Roy said, it's like sometimes for those that are called to stay here and raise funds, sometimes like God's inviting you to be generous, just like God's inviting us to be generous by going. So that's kind of what we're doing. Um, We're so excited and a little bit scared and anxious. Um, Yeah, but I think it's good. I think it's real that we're leaving here and going. Anyways, that's kind of what we're doing. What I want to do now um, is kind of jump into the word. How How long do I have? How long did I take? I didn't even time myself. So I'm just going to keep going. So the hope, and even, even hearing that as I wrap up my story, is that God is the main character of our story. It's like, he, like we, we did what we thought we were doing, and then God's like, nope, I want to pull you over here, I want to pull you over here. And so the focus this morning is as we read, I'm not going to read Judges because I don't have enough time, but we're going to talk about Samson, um, is that God has a plan. God has a story, and oftentimes we don't understand Everybody agree? Oftentimes, I don't understand what God is doing. And so if we look at the story of Samson, it's like, I don't understand what God is doing sometimes. Because oftentimes we'll look at friends, believers, and go, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? So in in Judges 13, 14, 15, 16, we see an angel of the Lord meet. Actually, I'm going to back up. Forgive me. 
Forgive me. What I want to do is I want to pray because my hope is that the reason we're going to talk so much about the scripture and read the scripture is that that's the thing that's going to change our life. That's the thing that's going to change us inside and pierce bone and marrow. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, if you, I want, to, I want us to hold our Bibles over our heads um, in a physical demonstration that this is the authority of my life. And so you can or can't, it's just an invitation, but I want to pray and then we'll get back into Judges. So Jesus, this morning, we love you and we're grateful that you are the author of the story and you have a story going on and God, we're grateful that it, in, that it covers us, that it includes us. God, it does so much so that you sent your son to be Emmanuel with us, to be God with us. And God, not so much just to save us, but God, to call us, to adopt us, to call us into sonship and daughtership, God, that, that we could know you and be a part of your story, that we're invited into the kingdom of God. So this morning as we read your word, as we bathe in it, God, that it would change us. God, that we would be changed into the likeness of your son and that we would leave these doors today different because we bathe in your word. So Father, we just make this physical declaration, this physical act, God, that it would change us. You would soften our hearts to your word. God, that it would change us. That we would look like you, Jesus. God, that it would peel away the things that hinder us from being more passionate with you, for sharing the gospel, for seeing the lost get saved, for praying for people. God, that it would change our hearts. God, that you would do heart surgery today, just as we read your word. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us. Amen. Thank you for that. I just, I just love the word. Love Jesus. So I found myself in Judges a couple weeks ago and just read through it and was just blown away with what God is doing. And so you kind of take that same step back and go, man, God, what are you, what are you doing? Like, Samson wasn't a guy that we would choose. I mean, he was called from birth by an angel, which is a wild part of the story. And then we realized that like he, even like when, when we try to, I want to live a life worthy of God, I want to be a disciple, I want to do all these things, like he didn't really do any of that. But yet God had ordained his life to do some things. Because Israel was held captive for, for 40 years, so my entire life, so our entire life, Roy, the Israel was, was held captive. And so God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a judge, it's going to be Samson, and you're going to set him apart for things that I want to do. But as, as, as I look around in like my own life and other people's lives, I'm like, well, you know, other people are struggling with this, this, and this, and this, and, and God's like, oh, I'm going to use them anyways. You know, he, he you know, pursued people in a, in a way that you know, I don't even want to get into, because I think most of us know the story, but it's just like a, a reminder. It's like God had a story that he, was, that he was writing, that he was doing, and Samson was a part of it, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me, and, it's, and sometimes that's really healthy, because I'm reminded that God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are so much higher than mine. So how can I, so even this morning as we take this, like how can I humble myself and go, God, what, what do you want me to do? Does it look like, does it look like selling our house and leaving Oregon, all the things we had? Because that felt ridiculous at the time. And a lot of people told us it was. You know, I'm like, well, I think God's calling us this way. So we just, I just so desperately want to be a part of God's story in whatever that looks like and whatever my obedience would be. And so he just did some wild things. He killed some people. He set some things on fire. He killed more people in his death than he did in his life, it says at the end. It's crazy. And so I guess my, my hope in that, in, in the wild story, is not just to have a wild story for the sake of a wild story. Is that it's a reminder. It's like God is doing things in and around us, in the world, in you, in this community. that may or may not make sense. But is our hearts to follow Jesus? Is it to be a part of his story and whatever it looks like? Because God really calls us to just radical obedience. Will we love God and will we love people? What it looks like, I don't know. I don't know, I can't answer that for you. So a couple questions I would have for us as we get into more scripture. Um, what are you doing here? What are you doing in Prineville? What are you doing in this church? Why did you choose this church? And these aren't meant to be pokey for pokey's sake. Pokey is kind of a cute word. Um, it's meant to be like inspirational inviting. Like that we would... We would take these scriptures and this idea and like begin to evaluate our life. And so I want to give them on the front end so that as we process Ephesians 1 through 3 and talk about the scripture that we can kind of let them like ruminate and mold and go, God, would you speak to me? Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Do I need, do I need a realignment in my life? Because later we'll have an opportunity just to pray with you if you want, if, if that's the case. 
because it's never too late to realign. So what are you doing here? Um, what are you doing with your life? Oftentimes, we're, we're just rolling along. I felt like I was just rolling along to God's like, nah, I want you to go over here. So what are you doing with your life? Is everything you do unto the Lord in your story? Are you falling in love with Jesus? Would you evaluate your life and say it's completely surrendered to Jesus Christ and to him alone and to his desires? These are some steep questions. And so again, it's not for pokey sake. It's like I desperately long to answer every of these questions like a yes, like God, I'm, I'm here, I'm in, whatever you call me to. Because we may face persecution in South Africa. It may, it may turn the same here, you know, as God moves in Prineville, as God moves in South Africa. But we'll come back to those, but just to kind of throw those out there for you guys. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. So if you don't mind, we're going to read, I wanted to read the whole thing, 1 through 6, but I try to tame myself a little bit. Um, so we're just going to read 1 through 3. And what I want to do is with those questions, but even more than that, to go, what is God's story? Because as I read this, I read this like, I don't know, 10 times in the last month. I've just been so in love with this book right now, is that you step back and go, so God, what, are you, what is your story and what is going on? And as we look at the story through that filter, we see like, it's wild. It's wild what God is doing and what God is saying. So let's just roll into that and I'm going to believe that God's going to do some good things just as we read the scripture this morning. Starting chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance, until we acquire a possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that God our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all ruler and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We're going to keep going, but that, that chapter, it just kind of blows my mind, because for the most part of my life, I've looked at it and go, what's in it for me? Like, where's, where am I in this? You know, I realized being in Hawaii, it's like part of one of our trainings, one of our, my wife took a discipleship or a Bible school, and one of the things they would ask is like, the Bible is written for me, not to me. And so I often thought like, oh, this is written to me. Like, what am I supposed to get out of it? And as, as even just in our first glance, we're not going to go super deep because we're just going to take that idea of God's story and realize like, God's done some amazing things. And he's been doing things since the beginning of time and he's going to keep doing things. But yet the focus of this whole chapter, and even we'll see in the next two chapters, is that he's the star. 
He's doing all the things, right? It's like he's going to bless us. He had this plan to the beginning of time for Jesus to come. You know, he's, his story is unfolding. And so it's inspiring to me. It's like, man, it's, it's not about me, but I want it to be about him. I really want it to be about him. So we keep going into chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Oh, it's talking about me right now. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Back to the main character. But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, not that no one should boast, for we as his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Therefore remember that one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Hold on to this part. I'm going I'm to read it anyways, even though it might throw a little wrench in there. It's really good. Let's see. Let me go back. Therefore remember that at one time the Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision but what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken, de- and has broken down in his flesh, the divine wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through, through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father." So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Jesus, this morning we pray that you would give us eyes to see your word, because there is so much here we could spend days, God, pulling apart what you're saying, what you've done, and what you're doing. God, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss anything. God, I don't want to miss what you're doing in the world, I don't want to miss what you're doing in this story. So Holy Spirit, we just lean on you this morning, in this moment, to reveal your truth to us in your word. God, you would give us pictures and thoughts about how what you've done, God, since the beginning till now, till the end, till revelation. God, because sometimes it's hard to grasp things that are so large because your plan, your story is so big. So, Father, you would speak to us this morning, God, as we just continue to read and soak and bathe ourselves in your word to us, God, because it's for us. God, that we would be transformed by the reading of your word. Scripture continues to amaze me as it contrasts us and God. You know, I know we, and I know we preach these that God predestined for, like, works for us in advance because we're God's worksmanship. It's like, man, since the beginning of time, God knew I'd be right here. God knew you would be right here. And at one point, it makes me feel so small, and at one point, it makes me feel really big. It's like that God knew me, that God predestined me. Whether you go to Psalm 139, like, like God knew me, knitted me together like I have purpose and value. That is such the fun thing about sharing the gospel and telling people, like giving people hope. It's like if God didn't exist, we'd have no hope. We'd have no purpose. We'd have no value. 
But you have value. You have purpose. You've been predestined to be here today, right now. Because God is in control. God has a plan. And it just blows my mind. So we, so we aren't so small, but we're not so big. But that God has ordained us to be here, to mingle with the people that we're with, to do the jobs that we're doing, to move to South Africa, to live in Prineville, to pastor a church, to trek Bibles, to unreached people groups. That God's got a huge story going on. And it's so hard. And I think that's the hardest part about this, this sermon is trying to wrap our minds around God's story. Because even as you guys are plowing through through Revelation, it's like, I feel like it's so fitting and fun to go, man, this is the end. What is God going to do at the end? How do we understand the beasts and the things and the times and when we're going, when we're not? Like, it's a crazy story. And God is a crazy God. And he's awesome. And it's amazing. It's like, God, what is, like, that that would, that that would inspire us. That that would remind us of the severity of the God that we worship. Because God's not little. God's not small. God's still killing giants and raising the dead and doing crazy things. Because that's who he is. And that's maybe the reminder too. It's like that we remember the character and nature of God. You know, I might not experience a slayed giant in my lifetime, but can God do it? Did he do it? Will he do it? The answer would be yes. Because that's what the Bible tells us. Because we believe in the holiness of scripture, right? So even in your life, it's like, is there a giant in your life? Like God's going to slay it, but it's, but how do we go back to the beginning of this sermon? It's about God and his story. You may not be slain in your life. You may not beat the cancer. But you may beat the cancer. God might beat the cancer tomorrow. We pray for you. He still heals people. But oftentimes we get hung up and like, this is my story and God, what's going on? It's like, God's like, it's my story, son. Would you align yourself with my story? I can heal you. And I want to, but I might, I might not. And for us to be okay with that. Us to be okay with the hardships. You can go to China and be like, what, God, what's up with all the persecution? It's like, it's my story. The church actually thrives under persecution. You look through, you look through Acts, you go to China, you go to Iran, you read um, Insanity with God, and, and you just read the lives of believers that are thriving with Jesus. Like, there's almost a little jealousy in me of they're thriving with God because they're persecuted. Because if they share their faith, they might die. You know, there's one story with a guy, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm going to go, go for it. There's one story of a guy that's in jail for 17 years for following Jesus. And every day he would get up and he would sing a song to the Lord. Same song every day, 17 years. And he's in jail, being made fun of, like being tortured by the guards. Like they would like defecate on his toast that he would eat every morning. Like insane. You know, and every day he would, anytime he'd find a piece of paper, he'd write down the scripture. And, you know, it was illegal to have any scripture. And he'd write it and he'd put it on the wall because there was like some, some mildew or some dew on the wall, and so it would stick there in honor of God, like to glorify God. And the guards would come in, they'd see it, and they'd beat him. And they'd beat him. So he experienced that for 17 years. And right at the end of his journey, he finds this whole piece of paper, and he's so pumped. And so he fills out all the scripture he knows, which, a side note, is like, how much scripture do I know? If I were in jail with no Bible and I had a piece of paper, how much scripture could I write on it? Super inspiring for him. I was like, man, I need to take that Bible for granted so often. But he was back to the story, and so he, he puts it on there again, knowing he's going to get beaten. Every time he does it, knowing he's going to get beaten, like shamelessly beaten. And then they show that in the movie, too. It just gives such a good texture to it, just to understand the severity of what he went through. And so because of that last one, they were going to kill him. They're like, this is it. We're done with you. We hate what you're doing. We're going to kill you. And so they were dragging him out, ready to be executed. And so there's 1,500 people in this, in this Russian prison. So all 1,500 people start singing his heart song. So he sung that song for 17 years, and every single person, every single criminal, murderer, all of those people start singing his song to worship to God. Yeah, amen. It's crazy. And so he did evangelism in prison for 17 years by singing a song to Jesus, by worshiping God under an intense persecution that I will never hope I can't relate to. I can't understand. I can look at it and I can read it and go, man, that breaks my heart. But I've barely been made fun of for being a Christian, let alone beaten and having to eat toast with, you know, whatever's on it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's wild to think, like, that he was there for 17 years. And because they sang that song, they let him go. So that was his get out of jail free, not free, but to get out of jail was 1,500 people singing to Jesus. Singing glory to God. It's like unheard of things that we realize that persecution actually is like the, 
the lifeblood of a believer. It's like the, well, it's like the, the thriving, the thrusting force of Christianity into the world. Anyways, this kind of a side note, but it's wild to think that that's part of God's story. You know, that we would look at the, the Chinese church and all the persecution that it, that it faces and go, God, that's part of your story? You go to the Old Testament and you go, God, that's part of your story? The annihilation of a people group or the parting of the Red Sea or, you know, even the Israelites. I wandered for 40 years for my entire life wandering in the desert. God, that's part of your story? And so I think the day, today the invitation is like, it's like, like the, rem, the remembrance, the reminder. It's like, man, I, I am that piece of clay at the foot of God. And it's like that Romans, like how, for me, and I, it's like how dare I even ask that question sometimes. Of all that God has done, all that he is, you know, the, the, the Jews, the Israelites, wouldn't, like wouldn't even say Yahweh. They were in so like enamored by God and so like this holy fear and holy reverence of God. And then I'm like, God, why'd you do that? Like almost so flippantly. Like I almost feel like he should just strike me dead sometimes. Because he's so real, he's so big, he's so good. And yet I lose, I lose that picture often. And driving here this morning, I was thinking so much about this that we, it's God's goodness that he reminds us over and over and over again. Because we kind of forget. And I think all of us would, would go, I kind of forget. You'd, you'd jump in the boat with me. I know you would. Is that we need, we need those stones of remembrances, those altars that they had in the Old Testament because we forget. God may do something awesome today, and then tomorrow I'm like, God, did you really do that? And we all kind of connect with that. It's like, that's, like God is so good to remind us of his vastness, of his radical love and pursuit of us. And I think that's the thing, I didn't plan on going, like that's the thing we need here in America, is to be reminded of who God is because we've kind of like forgotten. We've fallen asleep a little bit. I have fallen asleep a little bit. And so in the wildness of this journey, and even this sermon that God has impressed upon my heart, it's like that God is, again, God is so big. God is so real, yet he's God with us. You know, so as we wrestle with our pains, our issues, our struggles, it's like, man, God is still good. Remember, God is still good. Remember, even if he doesn't fix any of those things, God is still good. You know, because we have Jesus. We have the fullness of God that dwells in us. That's the end of chapter 2, right? You also are built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, that God dwells in us. I mean, if nothing else, may that just floor you today, that the living God dwells inside of you. I mean, whether that's the thing that powers our gospel, that no other religion would say that. No other, no other religion would stand here and go, the humili- it's the humiliation of our God is the center of our faith. Like something that stands, that, that stands Jesus apart from any other religion, any other faith that's so inspiring. That he's got a crazy story and then we're a part of it. Sorry, let's keep going. Romans chapter, or Ephesians chapter 3. Let's finish this road because it's awesome. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles, assume that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to, you, to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known for the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery of the hidden for the age. <laughs> I'm going to start over again. I messed that up. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God and who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven 
and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power of work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I mean, the last part sums it up so perfectly that we're filled with the fullness of God, but yet God is able to do far more abundantly than we can think or ask. So I take courage today, church. It's like God is huge, God is awesome, and he can do far more abundantly than we can even comprehend. And so that invitation is like, what, is that, what does that look like for you? It's gonna, we're going to go back to those questions again because they're so relevant that, that this morning there's an opportunity, you know, I'd love at the end of this, which is soon, if you're wondering, to invite you guys down to, to pray with you, that, that me and my wife and the elders, deacons, you know, who's, is like, to pray with you if you want, it's like, God, I want to be aligned with you. I want to be in your story. I want to have the right heart posture, the right mindset. I want to have the eyes of my heart enlightened to what you're doing. Because it's easy to get lost. It's easy to forget. My story will show that, or has shown that. But it's easy to forget, even in the busyness, the Christmas season, even in, like, the, the blessings of having the stuff, you know, the business and the things. It's like, we're grateful to give all that away to follow Jesus. Cost us some things, and man, we're, I wouldn't trade having nothing right now than to have what we had. I wouldn't trade it all for the world. So again, those questions for you and for me, is what are you doing here? Prineville, Calvary Chapel, Sunday morning, like, what does God have for you here? And what does that look like? What are you doing with your life? I know that's like a big question we all ask, but it's like placing that at the foot of Jesus and going, Jesus, what am I doing with my life? Is it aligned with your story? Is it aligned with your plan? Is it, is it obedience for me to be doing what I'm doing? And even maybe like, God, I'm willing to step out and do something else if you ask me to. Are you falling in love with Jesus? which really is the heart and soul of this whole thing. Jesus, Emmanuel with us, God with us. Are you falling in love with Jesus? If not today, let's pray for you again. Let's pray for you too. Because if we miss Jesus, if we miss love for God, we've missed it. Jesus is interested in relationship. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your life. That we would love God. The scripture that causes so much holy fear in me, it's like Jesus says, you did all these things for me. You did all these crazy miracles. But be far from me because I never knew you. Like the heart of God is to know us, is to be in this love relationship, like a married relationship. We're like, man, I, I get up every day to want to spend time with God. It's just like dating my wife. It's like, I want, to, I want to spend time with her. Do you guys want to spend time with Jesus? Do you love God? Would you evaluate your life until you're completely surrendered to Jesus? Are there areas you're like, ah, I just want to do this. I just want to do this. It's like Jesus died for my whole life. Jesus died for your whole life. We would glorify him forever and ever. It's the end of chapter three. So God does crazy things. God is amazing. God is huge. God has a wild story that he's invited us into. So I don't know what, it, I don't know what it's going to look like to invite you guys up to pray. I don't know if you guys want to do some music or whatnot. Johnny, it's been so fun to do ministry with you again after like eight years. I don't even know if he's in here. Oh, he will be. He's inside. He'll, he'll get in a second. Um, but yeah, I just, just love you guys. Thank you for the honor of, be, of being here and listening to me ramble about Jesus. And I, and I hope again, like I said earlier, that, that the thing you leave with today is Jesus. That you forget about me and even forget about our mission, that you leave with Jesus. You go, man, I want to love God more. How do I do that? Maybe go to a home group. Man, I want to love God more. Hey, wife, will you help me fall in love with Jesus? Hey, kids, will you help me fall in love with Jesus because I need him. Does that make sense? You'd fall in love with Jesus. Like, that's the heart of today. And so as, as they start playing, I'm going to be down here with Rory and Megan, my wife. Um, if you want to pray to have more of God, if you want to pray to have a heart for the nations, if you want to pray to be aligned with God's story, if you want to come and confess, 
the floor is open, the altar is open, Jesus' heart is wanting to draw you in this morning. So again, thank you so much for listening to me and my story and what God is sharing with us. Thank you for even your willingness and your partnership to, to let us speak and encourage us as we go. Um, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much.